In this episode of the 49 Up Podcast, we'll be reviewing the YouTube sensation of Time Agent, fan films in general, and we'll have an interview with none other than the co-creator of Time Agent, Jamie Carroll. Welcome back to the 49 Up Podcast. It's episode 11. We're 11, 11 episodes in and uh, we're, we're sort of slightly running out of stuff to talk about, but I'm sure when we get back on track we'll uh, have a lot more to talk about, especially with uh, Gallifrey 1 coming up. But uh, with me on this episode, once again, it's Ian. Hello, Ian. Hello. Back again, <laughs> like the proverbial bad penny. Uh, you know, it's not that bad. <laughs> uh, this week we are going to be reviewing the YouTube sensation, or if you call it a sensation, of Time Agent, which is a semi sort of spin off of Doctor Who. If I think I'm assuming it's taken from the reference that Time Agency and all of like what uh, Captain Jack's character was and all that, and they've sort they've spun it off into their own sort of kind of separate universe, so, so to speak, and it's. So it's got its sort of Doctor Who references here and there, but it, it, it is what I've seen and what's happening at the minute. It's trying to separate itself off from the show as, a, as an individual uh, property. So uh, we'll get into our review of it. The prophecy is complete and he is come. The great god of the green mini-beasts. Tomorrow we'll see the annihilation of the world as we know it today. Tomorrow there will be a new dawn for mankind. Tomorrow the time agency will begin! 2008 to 2013 it's been somewhat five years of time agent we've had series one in 2008 we had series two in 2000 no we had the specials in 2009 then we had series two in 2010 series three between 2011 and 2012 and now series four is coming up in 2013 and it's been a very interesting sort of transition for a fan film series that started out basically a bunch of what looks like under 13s trying to do something serious and relatable to Torchwood or just something Torchwood-esque in a different setting as what they bring under the banner of Time Agent. But it's progressed with, obviously, with with communities they've made, networks of friends and the, the amount of time they've had to put in to work on the show. And it's the production values have just gone up and up and up with Time Agent over the last five years. And with Series 4 still in production at the minute for hopefully release later in the year, it, it looks to be a very... A, a testament to how fan films can get almost to the equivalent level of television stories, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I mean, it's, it is absolutely amazing how uh, some how good some of these things actually look now. <laughs> when when you think, you know, how how <laughs> when you look at some of the really old sort of like fan films, and you think, well, I, th- I think because because they were, you know, they did have either limited budget and not as advanced equipment. Uh, I think yeah, you look at them with an eye of saying, well, it's actually quite good for, you know, what they, what they can afford. Um, and, and, and some of them, some of those, you know, earlier fan films were, were quite good. Um, you, you cringe a little bit sometimes because you can tell like, uh, when, when they're running around in rubber masks and things like that, but it's, you know, it's not anyone's fault. Mm. It's just a sign of the times back then. Uh, 
Yeah, it's it's the thing with Time Agent. It's almost like with how uh, it's 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 like the whole spectrum of how a how a, a fan film of any sort of series can look. At the start, it was obviously the the generic how if anyone just got a camera and some relatively mediocre costumes and props and whatever and just ran with it without any plan any any pre-production any prep general preparation to make it look good and then throughout time agents longevity it's gotten it's it's just gradually climbed the ladder of production values and acting and just general trying to create this this ip that just everyone on youtube seems to get it seems to enjoy more, more and more, and just keep coming back for as as <laughs> coming back for more. So I mean, it's it's in it's an interesting case in terms of fan films that some people would probably just do one fan film that's really 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 crap, and just think, oh, I'm not going to do it again because that attempt was pathetic. But then these this sort of this sort of mentality is just we keep going on with it, providing the stories, providing the action, and then as as time as free time increases or obviously as enthusiasm to get it completed increases as production values in terms of like special effects costumes props terms of actors directors technology is if that as long as that keeps going up if you are willing to keep it going then obviously it it just gets better and better with age in compared to the one time the one time amateurs that just don't give any thought to it yeah, I mean, the the interesting thing about um, certainly the the time agent uh, series is that they they actually chose to sort of avoid. I mean, I know I know um, Jamie Cowell has done some um, Doctor Who uh, stuff as well, but how how they actually sort of like avoided doing the the Doctor Who one and went straight off to a sort of like a spin-off idea. I mean, I re- I remember seeing the you know the very original sort of like trailer that they ran for it, and and it was like. <sighs> It was. It was obviously, you know. I think the time agent was in like in big red letters and and things like that. But I, I, I do think it was actually clever for them to go a completely different sort of like route. Enough, enough to link it so you know Doctor Who fans would probably be drawn into it. Mm. Uh, but then, you know, go off on its own tangent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What if it's my mother? Well, tell her you're busy. Oh yeah. Sorry, mother. Can I call you back? I'm on the run from the police. Oh, and tell Auntie Maureen not to watch Crime What's Next Week. She might have a bloody heart attack! <sighs> Hello! Hi. Oh, hi. Series 1 began in 2008 with six episodes. And with uh, a series like Time Agent, with with, the, with how you're trying to film something like that, in the, like with your occasional spare weekend or spare day off, then... They've kept the format across all the series, and I think what it, uh, don't doesn't isn't it usually that British sitcoms were to take the six episode model, and did, were there any other sorts of shows that took a six episode model? Um, I know Red Dwarf definitely did uh, in its yeah. early days. Um, I don't, I'm not sure. I, six does sound like I mean, like Let Them Eat Cake. I think that was like a, a six one as well. Um, yeah. But over time, obviously, things either got more or, in some cases, less. <laughs> but, um, I mean, like, <laughs> Sherlock only has, like, three. Um, I mean, and that's a modern example, but um, it's a shame that doesn't take it, more. 
if if you if you put that to the standards of how long a Doctor Who episode is, which is roughly forty five minutes, the Sherlock's are an hour and a half. So that's basically two episodes of Doctor Who. So in a way, that's almost six six two uh, six three six single episodes. If they if the if the three stories were split into two, like with a cliffhanger in the middle, almost. Yeah. True. True. Yeah. So in two, in series one in two thousand eight we had episode one Agent Liam, which is obviously named after Billy Tracy's character. Episode two Metal World. Episode three Hardly Human. Episode four The Lone Troop. Episode five The Mortis Code. And episode six Dark Revelations. And uh, the synopsis for the series was Danny, who, uh, the character called Danny Danny Gould, played by Matthew Williams, finds himself plunged into a world of dangerous thrills and adventures with a school friend who turns out to be a gunman, an emotionless cy- cyborg who shares his name, and the mysterious agent Liam. And just who is this agent and what is the Mortis Code? And I mean, this was obviously a bit cryptic until until it was all revealed nearer the end when I think one of the uh, cast members... Um, Left, left during the specials, but with with uh, with how this series started off, it f- right from the first episode, uh, Billy's just running on screen dressed in the David Tennant brown costume, and I think everyone's made the comment that it was a sort of a David Tennant um, a David Tennant cop uh, sort of rip off in a way, but it's just that. What have you got to base a character when you're when you're at that age and you're trying to think of a Doc Two spin-off? What are you supposed to base the character off with? What costumes you what costumes are in your at your disposal? And I don't really blame him for trying to create a character out of that sort of imitation of David Tennant. But I mean, what what? It's interesting to see how this pl- plays out afterwards. Hmm. Oh, it's, I mean, being being a bit of a sort of like newbie to the whole uh, sort of like time agent thing. Um, I mean, I have I have uh, seen like the pictures of um the david sort of like tenant costume but as, as you say it's it's what you have at your disposal and let's face it during that time everyone was like tenant mad anyway so it was probably always a mm. sort of like a, initially a good idea to have something that people instantly recognize even if it's not you know playing the doctor at all i think this was set in, this was released in 2008 and i think as a way we as fans liked to have fan films as a way to say that Obviously, when it came to 2009, there was a lot of no Doctor Who on at the time because obviously it was the gap year with all the special. And I think with making um, fan films during that time, especially as we get on to later with Doctor Who 2009, that sometimes fan films are a way of escaping that realisation that Doctor Who's not on at the minute to say that you've got your own adventures to get on with. Not that making them at any other time isn't isn't in that vein, but... um, I think that obviously doing it during that period of 2008 2009 it was a sort of a a, a, a get out of get what what's, what am I thinking of a um I'm trying to think of the word an an exit of reality sort of thing you're trying to make your own stories to fill that void that was left at the time mm. I want I mean it was the same when like between um 89 and you know sort of like 96 probably 2005 there was there was a massive boom in the whole fan film uh, sort of like industry purely because there was none of it around um so it for, for it and uh, it was quite funny how like the new when the new series came out even though it was on telly quite you know regularly uh even in between then it, it's interesting to see how people um still went ahead and did fan films because it inspired them to do you know uh, to sort of like 
do this film work and stuff. I mean, it was sort of that mentality that led to um, Big Finish, wasn't it? Because I mean, that that Big Finish was almost is also a a a medium for the fans to let out their versions of Doctor Who. It, I mean, it isn't to the grade that fan films were, but I mean, obviously, or they're not fan audios, but I mean, like officially licensed audios to carry on the story while there was no Doctor Who on during that time. I mean, that was sort of in the same vein, but to a higher standard. Mm. Well, I mean, big finish. Um, well, I say big finish. It was it was Gary Russell, Nick Briggs, uh, and uh, someone else, I think. But uh, they actually started off. Um, Rather than going for fan films, they did fan audios, and that was the range called the audio visuals. Um, and they that was their first thing. In fact, th- stories like The Mutant Phase and Minuet in Hell were actually originally done during that fan film stage. And when they officially got you know joined up with Jason Hay Gallery at Big Finish, and uh, they you know managed to get licenses to do Doctor Who, they did actually go back and officially make these with their doctors rather than nick briggs who was playing the doctor for the audio visuals so i mean that's that's an example of i think that's sort of like great when uh, what you do for, um, as a as a fan for fun uh, actually becomes completely official it's a way it's a way with how uh, Stephen moffat and mark gatiss have become writers for the show there's all it's a great way that how fans move on from doing things in their own time like fan films or fan audios and actually moving on to the official like big finish and uh, TV show, which just shows that it's it. Doctor Who's got a great uh, sort of collective about its community, its fan base, and all that. Oh, you and your stupid morals! Look where your morals have got us now. Look what your morals did to Dan. Don't you dare talk to me about morals. Liam, Liam, you there? Liam, uh, don't ignore me, Liam. And in 2009, we get three Time Agent specials, which is a way of bridging the gap between Series 1 and Series 2. And I think with the way that they did these, it was more of a... As well as a bridge between 1 and 2, I think it was almost a slight reboot in a way that their production values had increased a real lot. A real lot? had increased considerably compared to Series 1, and they wanted to show off and uh, make everyone realise that this was going to be something good in the future, going on into Series 2 and 3. The general synopsis for the specials was, After the loss of a great friend, Ben and Dan attempt to recover after Liam's mysterious absence, but when their leader finally returns, more questions are raised than answers. Liam still has to come to terms with just who he is and what has been done. And we've got the special one, which is called Earth's Guardians, special two, The Memoirs of the Lost, and special three, The Fallen Hero. Um, for for doing, it, it was sort of a bit of, to me, that took me by surprise by doing a series of specials in 2009, seeing as 2009 was the specials for David Tennant. But yeah, so uh, what, what was the opinion of um, the specials? Ah. <laughs> Uh, so, because um, obviously I haven't seen them, so I don't know. Um, <laughs> I've not completely seen them in their entirety, but I think I have seen the beginning of Fallen Hero, and I mean that initial scene where there's an initial scene where Liam's walking through what they call is Darchester, but I think it's just various areas in Manchester where they film, and he comes across this sort of sort of white. Sh- uh, uh, mirage-like figure, which to me, when I saw it, reminded me of the 
updated Vardens and the Invasion of Time DVD release. And it was it, it showed that this production had increased considerably, that they had the, the resources and the time to be able to make an effect like that, where there was a figure that was able to do stuff to characters like Billy Chase's Agent Liam, where there was a um, projecting out a beam of light at him and making him collapse, which was a pretty impressive scene to shoot and to render. And I think with the specials, it did begin to bridge both, as I said, series one and two, but also um, demonstrate how the series had potential brimming off from the original idea in series one and continuing it on further into the subsequent series yeah well that's i mean it's it's still quite um sort of like in, interesting that they're already sort of like deciding you know that they wanted to sort of like move away from what they'd already created um i, I have seen that the one thing i have uh, seen is um the flower alien uh, that's an interesting one but uh <laughs> Yeah. But, um, no, I, the one thing, and, and I noticed this just by um, sort of like the previous titles as well. I mean, I, I know technically writing a story title is you know sort of quite easy, but they they are actually quite clever in a way. I mean, they're even better than mm. you know, some some of the other titles that we've heard over the years. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. Where the heck did I put my scanner? Looking for this. Mortis, how did you get in? Please don't tell me you killed anyone. Maybe. What if someone finds the bodies? They won't. Until Thursday. What do you mean, until Thursday? That's when the cleaners are next. Year. Series 2 in 2010, which was obviously the first Matt Smith uh, year of series. And we get a return of Billy Tracy's Agent Liam, Sebastian Tracy as Dan the Cyborg, uh, the newcomer, Alan Rafferty, as Dr. Robin Turner. And Alan Rafferty is obviously, he's not obviously, Alan's a bit. He's a, a, a fan of Doctor Who, of course, and um, he's tried his own efforts at trying to do a Doctor Who series on his own channels, but he's, as well as doing that, has tried to splinter off a bit with his own sort of intellectual properties of the, this sort of become a... I don't know what... He's sort of changing the, the, the format of this, but there's something that began life, I think, as the Waterside trilogy, which was about this supposed angel. The first uh, episode was called um, Rise of the Euphonymous Angel, and then he said there was going to be a second one called Trial of the Euphonymous Angel. But... Uh, so he's sort of trying to chase the format between a series to a mini-series to a web series, and it's all a bit over the top. But he joins the team in... Series 2, along with Jamie Carroll reprising his character of Agent Mortis, who appeared at the very end of Series 1 in the last two episodes. And it's Series 2 returns to the six-episode format of the new member, Crescent Street, Redemption of Mortis, the musical, which, as the title suggests, is actually a musical, and... uh, uh, Jamie's told me in a conversation that it was, it, he wondered why the fourth episode was a musical, but here you go. Episode 5, The Nightmare Forest, and episode 6, Best Kept Secret. And the synopsis for series 2 is, This team must reform and rebuild itself in order to prepare for the darkest of days. The team must battle threats both extraterrestrial as well as from within. Meanwhile, an old friend of Liam's is waiting in the shadows. And I haven't seen the entire series in its entirety, but from the first episode, the third episode, and the sixth episode which is obviously a bit of a random selection to go by, but they are trying to make this 
as well. It was sort of a, almost a precursor to Children of Earth in a way, which, but it, even though uh, Series 3 was more of a sort of a parallel to Children of Earth, I think with the way they were telling stories in, in Series 2, especially the finale in Episode 6, it was becoming more of a event sort of thing for YouTube. It's sort of... As, as the writers for Doctor Who have said, they want Doctor Who to be event television. And we sh- I think that you could draw parallels to Time Agent. As, as, as a mediocre, as, as starting off as a mediocre fan series spin-off, it's actually become what I think a lot of the crew and a lot of fans would call is like event YouTube content in a way that you want to know what's coming next in, in how it's portrayed. And with... The development of characters, especially Liam, in throughout the series, and especially in episode six, to show that he's got a wife and child waiting both in present day and in the future from where he's come from, and that all this is all of the concept of time agents and time agency is developed is developed a lot more and a lot more in depth and gives a lot of context for future for future series to come and it just it builds upon what's come before it without trying to contradict it it just keeps adding and bringing more depth to the to the to the to, the, to, to can't speak to sustaining the series for the long term future yeah. well, it's quite interesting that um uh, you mentioned there about um uh, the serial uh, sort of like sort of thing, and you want to go back because um, I mean th- there was something that I I can't even remember how I got into it. I think I followed um, a link from Matthew Chambers, but uh, what it, what it was is um, he took part in a series by Chris Stone called Blood and Bone China, which was all about vampires in Victorian times and whatnot. And uh, it's it's sort of like funny how when I started watching that, it was almost like oh well, I want to see the next episode, see what happens. Uh, and I think if a series sort of like can do that and keep you interested, and it, it, it's I just find it's very sort of like good that you can actually get series on YouTube's and it's not just like vloggers and things that you can actually you know tune in every week to see what's going on. Well, you know, for X amount of year anyway. As well as being able to produce content that people come back to, I think with YouTube, it it when it came it came out in about two thousand five, two thousand six, it was practically what I would class as a precursor to TV in terms of it gives people or obviously groups of people, the outlet to be able to create content like this, to say, we shall produce like 10-minute, 20-minute, 30-minute, 40-minute, hour-long episodes of content that we've created, that we've written, that we've produced, that we've edited, that fan films work work splendidly on sites like YouTube, that you can create networks you can create advertisements cam- advertising campaigns through facebook twitter face i already said facebook facebook twitter linkedin google whatever it's that it's the w- way with the internet that with tv it's obviously the only ever reminder you get back before the internet ever existed was a was the occasional advert but now obviously you've got loads of outlets through the internet to be able to spread the word of your show and that with fan films, especially Time Agent, it creates a network of people wanting to see and obviously wanting to get involved with the series, as I, as um, many people have done, either as cast, crew, or any part of the production schedule, that they want to make this show and obviously harness their skills and maybe go into TV, into proper TV in the future as their career. Mm. Well, I mean, I'm actually sort of like um, 
quite a big part of the the YouTube community, and it you do see you know success stories all the time of um, you know YouTubers that just started off either you know vlogging in bedroom or in the case of Charlie McDonald making a cup of tea, I think was his first video or or something like that. But how they've sort of like worked their way onto television. I mean the um, I mean you got um, Charlie who did. Uh, Christmas Confidential, I think, a couple of years ago, um, mm. and then of course you had Chris Kendall, who's appeared on television and things like that. And it's 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 sort of it's really good to know that uh, talent is being spotted on sites like this. I'm already aware of my destiny, Agent Liam, but are you aware of yours? You came for the time agency back in time to save your people from slavery, but yet you've been here and done nothing. Except watch all your friends die. Series 3 took place over 2011-2012 because during, between a few of the episodes there was a bit of a gap with trying to broadcast them. But There were six episodes as were the, first, the last uh, two series. Uh, in the thir third and latest series the time agents are on the run. They were once a heroic team the government would call upon to protect the earth from alien menace except there is no government anymore and there is no time agency either. They're both being controlled and manipulated by a shadow corporation, the Vision, Vision X Industries, and their megalomaniac leader only known as the Executive. He controls the United Kingdom and now he wants the world then the universe. There are six episodes Point of No Return First Contact Downfall, One Against an Army, Sins of the Past, and Judgment Day. And with Judgment Day, that was the sort of the hook that was coming to um, sort of the effect that they wanted with, with relating to Children of Earth, with how Children, Children of Earth did like day one, two, three, four, five. With uh, Time Agent Series 3, they had a bit of a countdown to this event that they'd created in their continuity called Judgment Day, where something had gone on, I think it was Vision X went online to start um, controlling the world in the, as the time agency and all that, and with the plot, it was more of a, it, they did introduce a lot more stuff into it uh, from what they'd already seeded into the series in the past two in the past two excursions that they'd made in like series one and series two, and the, they'd exploited it more. And with how the, their flower aliens that they'd created in the series, that they were developing them more as a as a more threatening presence rather than something that was just docile and um, passive in how they operated. That these creatures that they had now, that they created their own masks, and that they obviously wanted to make them a lot more threatening, a lot more alien-like compared to a plastic mask that was used for the previous series. And we get the cast of Billy Tracy as Agent Liam, Jamie Carroll as Agent Mortis, Alan Rafty as Dr. Robin Turner, and Christopher Thompson as the executive, which I think was a very interesting set of, um, set of casting there. So have you seen the trailer for Series 3? Uh, yeah, I haven't seen it, but I... Having seen Christopher Thompson um, on on do quite a few other things, I think it's incredibly good casting to have him as a megalomaniac. <laughs> but it, it, there's, there's something about him that's sort of like you know from what I've seen on his um, own YouTube channel that sort of just you know sort of comes across that yeah I can I can imagine him playing this sort of uh, character. I've watched uh, most uh, most of all the uh, content of the episodes, and by the end of the season, he does look like he, he reminds me of um, 
I think I can't remember. I think it's Andrew Scott who plays Moriarty in in Sherlock with Benedict Cumberbatch. He actually reminds me <laughs> reminds me of Andrew Scott in his portrayal, and it was just so it was so uh, mesmerizing and also slightly uh, uncanny with how they acted so similar. <laughs> Well, actually, there was one uh, question I was um, going to ask. Um, I, I've noticed uh, on this, obviously, uh, Bill Tracy seems to be sort of like the brains behind sort of like a uh, time agent. But is it, it's um, the, the videos, they all go up on Jamie Carroll's YouTube channel. Um, I, th- I think it's um, it was it was co-created between Billy and Jamie. And I think it was just just i think it just started out as going on up on Jamie's channel just because i don't know whether billy had a ch- channel at the time but i think it was around series 3 that Jamie tells me that um billy actually wanted the series 3 to be to be broadcast on his uh, channel for well built productions but everyone seemed to somehow get angry about it so uh, i'm assuming it's just going to keep on being on Jamie just because they've had a sort of a mutual universal agreement on how to broadcast it well, that's fair enough yeah i think it's it's just that um, you know if other people wanted to check out the time agent thing it's just yeah. to make sure they go to the right sort of channel really yeah yeah yeah, I, th- I think it's just because mainly this because uh, Jamie's uh, a co-creator that he has a bit of liberty on how it's broadcast as well as Billy. Fair enough. Especially how that in the, the sense that uh, I don't know whether Billy's back for series four or not because uh, Jamie's more a lot more into the how the time agent uh, um, production's going in. So hopefully a lot more to see uh, when that comes. So series four from what we can tell is to be released in 2013 but no confirmation as of yet because it's still currently filming in production at the minute and I assume a lot of editing is going to have to be done because not all the footage is in quite yet but from what have you seen the series 4 trailer Uh, I I have seen it Um, memory probably needs a a refresh but I have seen it do you want to see it quick just just so we have a bit more just just quickly check it out so we have a bit more substance for discussing the series yeah Our darkest hour of attacks, which still to this day remain unresolved. Every conspiracy is true in some shape or form. And instead of reading about them, you'll be a part of them. On the first thing, I mean, there's lots of new people. <laughs> yeah. Um, was, what was the thing? I'll just back, back a minute because there was something else that I saw that. Oh yeah, that was it. <laughs> it was the first frame, and I'd forgotten it uh, about the use of unit. So at least I wasn't. So. Uh, has unit been in any of the others out of interest? Just so I don't. Uh, I think they were slight. They were mentioned a bit in series three. Right. Okay. Oh, hang on. That was one trailer. Hang on. Let me have a quick squint at the other one. The other one's longer. It's trailer A. It's right. I just looked at the teaser trailer. I forgot there was another one right below it. Again, a lot more people involved. Yeah, yeah it's it's it's, it's, that, it's that network that they've obviously grown and they're u- utilizing. Did I? I mean, I, I, I'm not 100 percent certain, but I saw someone that almost looked like that um, 
Doctor from the previous ones, but I can't see him in the cast list. Is that? Uh, is it just a different person? And he just had looked like he had a similar face, or what? As in the one that was in the black hat? Yeah. Yeah, that's Alan Rafferty. I don't know whether he's playing the same character or not, but I'm assuming. Yeah, because so. I mean, it, it doesn't obviously list him in in the in the yeah. little cast list, so it, I wasn't it sure. Might, it might have been obviously they used really quick clips so that it wouldn't reveal too much. From what you've seen in the trailer for series four, what what what, what do you expect for what's coming up in the if it's like story wise and production wise? Well, production sort of like absolutely sort of amazing from looking at it. I mean, you've got. They've also sort of like increased uh, sort of like the cast tenfold, and it's it's interesting to see that um, there seems to be a lot of uh, sort of like new main characters, um, possibly some returning ones, although they don't seem to be confirmed for, for definite, apart from obviously Agent Mortis. Um, but no, it looks looks really really good, and it's as I mean you mentioned earlier about uh, sort of like networking and things, and it's just it's it's so good to see that so many people are sort of like um, clambering to be in it really. Yeah, it, it it's 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 what I think YouTube, one of YouTube's ultimate goals to do is to create networks, and that a, a project like this creates a network which obviously brings together both professionals and also makes new friends as well. So I think it works out almost for everyone as long as tensions don't strain too far because mm. i mean the, the biggest problem usually with um any sort of like fan uh, films are it's it's certainly at the age that some of these guys look uh, they're all busy with sort of like thing like college university and trying to actually find free days to actually mm. do uh, these things i mean there, there are whole you know doctor who fan film projects that have completely fallen apart uh because people yeah. not being available um so they've they've been sort of quite lucky, I think, so far. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. So, uh, so that's our review of Time Agent uh, from 2008 to present. And uh, as a bit of a treat for the, our review, we've got an interview with co-creator of Time Agent, Jamie Carroll. You mean that the mighty Agent Liam doesn't know? But yet I thought you called yourself an expert. I know that you're controlling them. Again, you know nothing. I just give them orders. I am the messenger from their god. Orders from above. He has come, the one who trod upon Gallifreyan soil, just as you predicted. How do you know that? What are you doing? Awaiting the final instruction. No. Hello, I'm Jamie Carroll, and this is my series of Time Agent. <laughs> We've just finished filming. Shut up, Billy, I'm talking. Hi, it's James again. I'm pleased to have the privilege to be speaking with the co-creators of the popular YouTube Doctor Who spin-off fan film series, Time Agent. Jeez, I almost lost my breath trying to say all that. Mouthful, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to introduce Jamie Carroll and Billy Tracy. Hello. Hi. Hello. Right, guys. So we've we've got a lot of uh, stuff to get through. So I'll I'll begin with the uh, how you two came together. How did you two meet? First off. Wow, God. Jamie Jamie made the first move. <laughs> I just couldn't <laughs> resist. <laughs> it was actually um, God. I was at uni, not uni, sorry, college at 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 the time doing multimedia, and from a final major project, we had to use what we had learned in those two years. Uh, for the final major project and I was going to do a Doctor Who website with a little animation and a short uh, fan film and it was only going to be one episode at the time wasn't it it was meant to be like 30 seconds long yeah if, <laughs> 30 seconds yeah it was just like a, a little trailer <laughs> and 
to do some research, and I say research in inverted commas, uh, <laughs> I watched a lot of like Doctor Who fan films at the time. I came across Chris Thompson's uh, stuff, which is he's got a free plug there, hasn't he? And um, <laughs> yeah, this was back in the days of Google Video. I think just when YouTube was in its infancy. Yeah, and, not many uh, people knew about it. Yeah, and I came across a YouTube series called Doctor Pooh. Yeah, which is really good, can I add? And I started watching it, and I got really, really hooked. And then I messaged Billy. Billy? Yeah, I'm, I'm here. I, I got an email from James Carroll. I was, I was pretty young. I was like 12, 13. But it was at the time, I think it was just after the first series of Doctor Who had come out. And yeah. I think there weren't many other people that I knew of at the time doing the same thing. Um, there definitely weren't as many people doing it then as there are now. Um, I think, you know, as I, as we say, you know, it's Chris Thompson, uh, Jamie was working on his, I had mine, and I think there was the Wright Brothers or something, wasn't there? Jamie? Oh, yeah, Wright Productions or something. Wright Productions. Yeah, I watched that. Um, and um, we... He he got in touch, and I've actually still got the email somewhere written down. Yeah, he's got it. He's got it tattooed on his back. <laughs> <laughs> and um, uh, the one bit I definitely remember is saying, "Oh yeah," him saying, "Yeah, the effects are really good." <laughs> and I can only imagine that he was being sarcastic because it was done with Movie Maker and MS Paint. It was it was really that basic. Uh, that's what I had sarcastic. at the time. I wasn't being sarcastic. It was of course good. you were. You were just being stupid. I was just being nice. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> anyway, yeah, we got in touch, and he, and he, I think you offered to, to do a title sequence because you were a bit of a fan, weren't you, Jamie? No, uh, I think you you saw my Doctor Who website and you said, um, I wish I could have a website like that, in hint. Oh, no, that was after. That was ages after. <laughs> well, was it? Yeah, it was the title sequence first. You you said you'd do a title sequence. I did. I. Uh, yeah, and then. How did you do that? I'm not even good at special effects. Yeah, I know, but it was better than what we had, <laughs> and it was really good. And um, uh, what else happens? Yeah, you made the title sequence, and we just got talking. I think, thank thank God, MSM Messenger existed back then. I, I think it's That's still true. out now, but I think Skype's kind of replacing it. But yeah, back then it was MSN Messenger, and uh, we just got talking and. We kept talking, and we we both had passion for filmmaking and Doctor Who, and it was over, the final stand, wasn't it? Yeah, we, we, we yeah we were both working on our own series, and then we eventually decided how cool would it be if we did a crossover. And Jamie was like, "Well, the problem with that is that we'd have to t- meet up." And I was like, "Well, I, I, I don't know, Jamie. That's I, I said it just like that." Yeah, precisely in that sort of gravelly, dirty Mancunian accent. I'm going to try and speak posh now for the rest of the podcast. <laughs> Precisely, yes. Yeah, um, but, yeah, we, we both thought it would be a really cool idea to do a crossover. And whilst that crossover never really did get finished... <laughs> most of our lot... projects never get finished. Well, yeah, but, but thankfully not many people know about most of them. <laughs> um, and, but, yeah, um, we, we met up and we just had a ball and it was really fun. And then we just kept in touch and kept meeting up. And we always had we always have one project in the go. And to be honest, it's not really changed too much. It's been like that for the past few years, and that's basically yeah. all there is to it. What sort of Doctor Who fans do you consider yourselves in terms of like how you express your fandom? Uh, well, I'm not too happy with a lot of Doctor Who fans, to be honest. That's just me. Which Doctor Who fans are you unhappy with? Ones which just completely live, breathe, and 
dream about this TV show. <laughs> well, so that's all there is to live for? Yeah. Okay, well, where would you consider yourself on the spectrum then? Uh, I love the show. I always have done since being a young kid. Um, you can but, almost say that you you live it. True, but I do other things as well. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't just make out that this is the only TV show out there, and that's all that is that exists is Doc Two, Doc Two, Doc Doc Two. No, I'm not. I'm not going to go to work today and uh, pay pay the rent and bills. I'm going to watch Doctor Who because that's more important. I just think that fans need to be. Coming from a filmmaking background, you know, if an actor drops out or they run out of time and there's continuity errors, for, you know, all these different factors that there's the finance and things like that, I think fans don't... Particularly give, the budget. Well, exactly. I don't think fans give the, the, the producers and writers enough credit. It is. At, at, for what they do with, such, yeah, with the budget they have. Yeah, it is a television show. It's entertainment. It's not a matter of life or death. Is what I'm trying to say, and I think some fans. I mean, to to be fair, ninety percent of the fans are okay. It just seems to be the ten percent of the fans which tweet. You take it too earnestly. You take it way too far. They'll constantly walk around dressed as the Doctor and things like that. It's like you're not the Doctor. I mean, <laughs> it's great. Like, I, oh, it sounds like a moaning now, but it's it's well, it's great that it inspires people to do things and stuff like that. I just don't think, like, if you're walking down the street and you're being mugged and the person, you're like, oh, I wonder what, I wonder what the doctor would do. Hike. Yeah. <laughs> I just think, you know, there's a time and a place where to draw the line. Mm-hmm. But where would, you, where would you consider yourself? On, what do you I mean? Say, on the spectrum. Like, what sort of a Doctor Who fan would you say you are if there, was, if there were categories? I don't know what the categories are. <laughs> Okay, right. Well, I'll say what sort of a Doctor Who fan I think I okay, am. Okay, yes, you do that. Well, I... I... Hmm. Let's see, it's not like that. <laughs> well, I, I'm, I'm one of the... I think, yeah, same with Jamie. We, we both grew up with the show. And it's, it's one of those things that you can appreciate from a child's perspective and an adult's perspective it's for completely inspired. different reasons. It's, and it's inspiring. It's, it's, it inspires people to move on to do different things. Yeah. And that's what appeals to me about it. That's what I love about it. Um, and also the sheer Im- imaginativeness of it, if that's a word, um, that, and, and the creativity, um, especially, particularly in the, in the early days when there was less of a budget, what people can do with such a low budget Mm. um it's it's um inspiring yeah it really is and i i just have an appreciation for that and i just i love it for the story the story and the the characters and and for the for those reasons but you know like jamie says it's not something you want to consume like yeah. you, you want to make your you want it's not something you want to consume you rather um you, you, you want you've got to be careful not to be sucked into it for all the wrong reasons yeah like to be so obsessed over continuity errors i i i have a passion for films and and television yeah or at least good films and good television mm. and that's why i enjoy yeah. doctor who incredibly because of the it's got so much history both in in the uh in the making of it and you know the backstory of the of the show with you know, Gallifrey and Rassilon and Omega and all that. I'd say we're both passionate Doctor Who fans, 
but we know where to draw the line with it. Yeah. <laughs> and where to say, right, that's enough for today. I need to go and see my friends now because I've not seen them for a whole weekend watching The Five Doctors. But I'd say with the sort of fans <laughs> who see it and get inspired by it and try to do something we let it move us into doing things and, and um, it just sort of helps us get on <laughs> yeah. but we, we take that we, and instead of just cons- like really enjoying well we do enjoy it but instead of just uh, you know just watching it we, we go out and we, we make something of it um, why, why is this the hardest question to answer? I know, terrifying. Yeah. Maybe it's because we don't quite understand who we are. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we don't. I, I really, you have to find I'm yourself. Really That's your journey now. <laughs> Doctor Who. How did you two come up with Time Agent? Jamie came up with the title. I did everything else. <laughs> and I claimed it. Yeah. I think Jamie, Jamie had an idea. He, he had the he had basis. I it to you as a man future who's come back to the present uh, he's running away from something and it was meant to be a clash of how this man from the future is coping with modern society mm-hmm. um, so a typical science science fiction trope then yeah and then Billy got a load of kids and ended up being CBBC's Torchwood <laughs> I just had fun making it <laughs> yeah exactly fun fact series one wasn't actually scripted ah um, it was only the last episode which Jamie wrote, which is why it's a little bit bog standard. But at the time, I think I was more focusing on having fun doing it. Yeah, just p- picking up a camera and going. And to to be fair, when you're working with a lot of young cast, it must be extremely difficult to sort of get them, you know, what's what's the word, organised. Yeah. Well, we knew at the time we weren't making something revolutionary. No. But we wanted something. We wanted to tell a story and a good story and a fun story for people to... To, to enjoy. Well, so I think it, the people, the people who watch it and enjoy it, are sort of people who enjoy it for the story rather than the production values. Hopefully, well, that, that, I think people which have been like long-term fans of Time Agent have actually not just liked the show itself, but have sort of liked the fact we've evolved. You know, as we've got older, uh, we've, we've got more, Well, our knowledge of filmmaking, our technology that we've got access to, our knowledge of life. In, in in the writing sort of evolved as we've as, as, as has and, and it's like pro yeah it's progressed uh-huh. I, I wonder how anyone managed to make it past the first two what? series when so many of the main characters die off well <laughs> not too many yeah well they are I was just thinking because they're main characters and you know, a lot of them die because it's Ben, Dan, Dan uh, uh, Danny, Dan... Uh... Well, we got absolutely slated when Dan the Cyborg died, so, oh, the show's not going to be the same. <laughs> and it's like, you know... Series 3 did okay, though, didn't it? Look, looking back at Series 3, can anyone I- imagine Dan the Cyborg in that environment? Possibly. It wouldn't have worked as well, though. The impact would have been taken off. We didn't want the comedy. That's true, yeah. There, there... <laughs> Should have been like a five-minute spin-off of what happens if Dan the, Dan the Cyborg met the executive. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably something terrifying. <laughs> or, or, what, or what if Dan the Cyborg saw the giant hundred-foot flower alien? I think that flower alien would run a mile. <laughs> it wouldn't take too long, would it, considering yeah. how big it is? Hello, my name's Dan. I call you Carl. 
<laughs> he's like, Ooh. I call you Giant Bob. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I mean, it would be unrealistic to keep characters alive. Um, it's it's a dangerous real world, and you know it's a dangerous real world where children have firearms. I see the 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 fault in your plot there. <laughs> yeah, but we, like you you got to see above that aspect. Yeah, and and death doesn't have a grand finale. Mm, well, yeah. particularly with in Ben's case. That was very kind of bang. It happened. Low key, wasn't it? It's like done. <laughs> it's dead. Yeah. You know, we all like to think if we die, there's going to be this massive build up to dramatic music, and then we <laughs> die. Sacrifice. When really tomorrow morning, when I walk to the post office to pick up Vengeance on Varos Special Edition, which I need to get, <laughs> I'm going to get knocked down by a car. <laughs> or, or a brick's going to fall on your head. Yeah, that, yeah, I'm not too happy. Trip over a brick. <laughs> yeah, over banana skin. This just in, Jamie Carroll has died from slipping on a banana skin. It works. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, right. it's not the best way to go, but... but no. I think well, now we've just revealed how Agent Mortis is going to kip it. Damn we? it. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. At the end of Series 5. The worst thing is, out of every single fruit, I don't eat bananas. Oh, God. It's a shame, really. Good source of potassium. That was a Doctor Who reference there. That's a reference to the show. Uh, and also a Five Who fans reference. What, yeah. what about... You forget the banana. It's a good source of potassium. <laughs> what, what about my Doctor Who from before? That's got nothing. Uh, I haven't That's got a massive... That again. He's been saying that for 50 years. I'm sick of it. How would you say your characters have developed across the first three series? There has been development. I'd like to say that our series is very character-driven, so we should be able to give very precise answers. So I'll start with, you know, Jamie, why why don't you tell me everything about Mortis? Uh, Well, firstly, because I've been like, I've written half of series two along with Billy and series three. I've said from the start that Time Agent is Agent Liam's story. It's his narrative. Now, even though he's not in it at the minute, you know, when when he comes back eventually, when he does, we don't know when. Well, we do, but we don't. Um, <laughs> we do. You do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, moving on. Wink, um, wink. You know, it it will be picking up up the pieces again. I mean, that's not a question to the answer, but that's just saying it's all about Agent Liam. So I think what I'm trying to say is, out of all the characters, he's the one who has progressed the most. Um, so we'll start with him. I mean, Billy. <sighs> well, OK, well, um, series one, this is where I defend my case. Um, well, he's very... Saying that... Well, the Agent Liam we see in the flashback scenes in Series 3 is the Agent Liam before Series 1. So we could start from there, shall we? Yeah, good. I, I suppose he starts as, I don't know, fairly... I think there's a lot... They're, they're all quite dry and sarcastic. That's their, That's the humour. Let's start there. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, a young, optimistic... Uh, they're rebellious... Sounds like a dating website this now, doesn't it? <laughs> Young, optimistic, enjoys <laughs> long walks on the beach. <laughs> Just wants to make something of himself. <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, the, the, it's, they, they 
they start off undamaged. Yeah. Well, society's damaged. Battle scarred, but not in the way they are once before they even get back to present day. Yeah. So, I mean, Liam has lost his mum. He didn't even know his dad. He, He was born into slavery. Yeah, so he started off very low down. He managed to get into the time agency somehow. And once he found out what was going on, he wanted to do something about it. And he became part of the Rising Five. And that's um, probably <laughs> where he's met Mortis. Um, and In a two- way, it is sort of like a story of about class. You've got the working class against the rich class. Mm. But the characters themselves, I think Liam... <laughs> from series, it's much easier to talk from series one because the flashbacks are very vague, and whilst we do know a lot about our characters, we haven't put an enormous amount of writing into the way they were. Okay. Um, but for, but I mean, there's a lot more to see and observe from series one to three. Yeah. So I mean, he starts off not knowing who he is at all. So you could argue that that's not Agent Liam whatsoever. Once he finds out who he, who he is, he becomes maybe a combination of the. Of the character, sort of, yeah, the part of a transition. in the 2009 specials is completely different to the age of the um, in yeah, because he starts off as a bit of a you know, he takes a lot of stuff from the doctor, the, do- the doctor's attributes, yeah, uh, and, and and then he sort of changes and and and, and well, because of the fob watch, um, and then we see a sort of darker side to him. He's got, uh, as most leads, interesting lead characters do, he's got a mysterious backstory. Um, the main thing I think he definitely changes with the death of friends which means he still connects with people which I think is very important in yeah. um, what Dan's death and the looming Vision X tr- about to try and take over the world changes him very much for the worse and also the fact he had to see his best friend Mortis and his girlfriend Katrina uh, turn against him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we got that as well. I mean, he had to shoot his own wife. Not wife, girlfriend, isn't it? His girlfriend. Yeah. God, it's been so long. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, he had, to, he had to shoot Katrina, didn't he? Um, yeah, and I think there's a lot of guilt there because, you know, we learn in series three that Liam left his best friend, his girlfriend and his baby behind. Mm-hmm. We could explore the universe with, with the Doctor. He, yeah, he is guilt-ridden. He's absolutely yeah. guilt-ridden. And that is a number of things. He's done all, all sorts, I suppose. I mean, because I mean, we find out something. He's done something vague. We, we don't know the full details just yet, but we know that the something went on with the circle from what we find in the Nightmare Forest, and it's not something he's proud of. And I think that's that's all you need to know, to know that it's he's not... He's riddled really... with dark secrets. And mm-hmm. I think now there's... Ever, ever since he was half-converted into a flower alien... He's sort of like his dark side's competing with the true Agent Liam. Well, we see a bit of his dark side before that even happens because we've yeah. got um, in series three he, um, you know, he he shoots a lot of policemen. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Um, and he's he, yeah he does kill and he and he gets and he do, he lets the contact commit suicide. Yeah. Um. He is very angry and very. He has very little. Um, um, but at, 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 at 
his core, he is a good person and he believes he's doing it for the right reasons. Mm. And I, I don't think that, that's the one thing that will never change about Liam. Mm-hmm. The way that his motives are solid, the way he gets about it is questionable. And yeah. just, I think from Series 2 to 3, we've seen, we, we see him getting much darker. I, I hate to use that word, but yes, it's, it's true, I suppose. Um, and then, obviously, we see a whole new side, um, completely un, um, unmotivated by death characters is actually forced upon him this change where he becomes <coughs> um well he's very selfless because he sacrificed himself to change oh yeah no there's still liam there yeah that's the part there's still liam there but it's it's how he's trying to to attack this it's almost like schizophrenia so this is why agent liam is my favorite character i i wouldn't say that i'd say uh i'd say out of all the characters agent mortis is the the most interesting in terms of development yeah, but Agent Liam's it, the whole thing is from Agent Liam's point of, of view. I suppose. Until series four. Well, yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about yeah. Mortis then. Okay, well, we'll start with series one then. Uh it was he, just he was just a, a villain really, wasn't he? He uh his motives weren't really clear. But we did a bit of backstory there, didn't we? He did a backstory. Him and Liam knew each other from the time agency. Liam had no idea who he was. Mortis was very, very angry. Um, <laughs> but then something changes in him and, you know, he gets brought back. And I don't know. I didn't think Mortis would uh, actually come back. Uh, or when, when, when we did start Series 2 and the plans are there for Mortis to be a villain once again. And, and I don't know how people... T- took a shine to Mortis, really, and like... I, 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 can, I can see it very easily. I, I, the reason that I... I think... I'm not sure whose decision it was to make him a good guy. I'm pretty sure it was... I think it was one of mine. You wanted, wanted, you wanted him to come back into the team, but mm-hmm. you, you wanted to put that handcuff thing around his neck. Yeah, that was... What I'm really... What really, um, you know, attracts me about those sort of characters is... is, is well... You know, a, a character that starts off as a bad guy and then joins, uh, joins, changes sides, and you can and uh, what that's what makes them so interesting because there's it proves them to be a fascinatingly complex character in in that in that sense because they they don't know who they're rooting for and there's sort of like especially that change in series two no one's entirely sure uh, at first at least. Whether Mortis really has changed his, his yeah, and, and and we played with it right up until series three. But I th- that's the aspect of the character I think people enjoy because there's a little bit of a there's definitely an edge to him. There's a dark side again. Yeah. There's there's a kind of recklessness to him that I think people find attractive in a good character because it's not something you're used to seeing. He's an anti-hero. That's true, and I think also um, with series three. People started to feel sorry for him in a way mm-hmm. and took pity because they started to realize that, you know, Mortis and Katrina were both extremely nice people. Liam ditches them, and next thing you know, they're both turned to sort of like villains. Yeah. Which we won't explain why yet, but it will come out eventually. Mm-hmm. What is it like tying Doctor Who to a show that has practically become its own separate entity? Or as or as Richard B. Brooks would say, it Tardis ex machina. I 
we're, we're both moving away from Doctor Who in a big way for this show, but I think it would be wrong to disregard it completely. Mm. I think that would, that would be a bit disrespectful. But at the same time, it would be silly to throw in, you know, if a Doctor suddenly turns up, that that wouldn't work. No. Because, because I of think the, it's know, amazing how we've created this show where all of our characters are have been devised by ourselves. There's mm-hmm. nothing to link it back to Doctor Who now, apart from Agent Lean being the last companion, but I'm pretty sure most people don't actually think of Agent Liam in that way. Yeah. So I I think I think the the main connection that Time Agent has is to, to Doctor Who is the Time Agency. Yeah, and that's pretty much it. Yeah. And and even then we've given it its own story and I uh, and Expanded on it and uh, yeah, but we're never going to say that this is canon. I don't think with Doctor Who, it's it's its own world. Did you expect 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 it to last so long? Nope, not at all. We were expecting to end it at series one, but yeah, that 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 was. It's a combination of fan response and enjoyment making it, and knowing that we could actually expand on it if we had the right story. Now we've got a sort of very good idea where we going with it and when it's going to end and how it's going to end because i think we're reaching a point now where we both want to actually i mean time agents helped with our careers uh and now we want to sort of you know we're committed to time agent uh when when it does end we then want to use the knowledge of all these years of working on such a really great show and we've a lot of great people to then take that into the actual real world industry itself, I think. Yeah, I think we're both really, um, uh, we really want to move on to our other projects, but it would be wrong not to finish the story properly. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I think that's the long and the short of it, really. How did you react to the popularity of the series? Disbelief. <laughs> it was weird because when I first joined YouTube, after the first year when my Doc 2 series took off, I uh, remember a fan had messaged me over on MSN and he said, what's it like being famous? And I, I was thinking, it, it never really occurred to me at that point. It's like, I'm not really, you know. I'm, we still aren't, really. No, you... I know. It's weird. I don't know why people think think we are. We're, we're, we're at a sort of stage where we're fairly well known within the right circles of people. But I would never say that we were famous. Have you been? I, I don't. I don't. I don't greet people saying Billy Tracy, famous YouTuber. <laughs> <laughs> have you been recognised? Yeah, no. you have. Have that I? Kid who lived next door to your grandma. I, hmm. I yeah. I <laughs> recognised your YouTube work and then said, "Oh my God, he 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 lives next door to my grandma." Yeah. I yeah. Suppose. Yeah. The only person who's recognised me is the bloody tax man. <laughs> Even Alan, who plays Dr. Robin Turner, and uh, Jacob, who plays uh, Jackson Turner. You know, Jackson was in it for what? Two episodes? Two and a half? Best part of 15 minutes, I'd say. Both of them went down to Doctor Experience, and they got mobbed by fangirls. <laughs> well, maybe we should probably oh, I turn up to more conventions. <laughs> I did get recognised once. When when I went to the Fab Cafe convention in 2010, but the the kid was too nervous to talk to me. And then when I went to Doctor Experience a couple of years ago down in London, I got a YouTube message saying that some guy was 
in in the lift next to me, and he recognised me, but but was too scared to uh, say hi. Do I just give this image that I'm scary or something, and people are too scared to say hi to me? Yeah. Oh, don't say hi to me. Maybe a doctor YouTuber, but he might mug me. He's from the north. That really does put uh, me on the spot where people say, "Do it, do the impression, go on, do it." And that's <laughs> my, that's my mum and dad. Go on, do the voice. <laughs> yeah. Do the catchphrase. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The catchphrase. I'll be your dad, yeah. Liam, Liam. <laughs> it, it's, it's one, there's one of those shots in nearly every series, isn't there? Because it's like there's one where um, Mortis has got Dan on him. He's like Liam, or is um. Series three, when when they get separated by the explosion, and Liam goes through the spaceship. It's like Liam. It's, so that's more of a catchphrase. Than, that's true. Although just 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 more just shouting the word Liam. Although Liam! both times it's not actually in the script. <laughs> Improvised. <laughs> so went for it. <laughs> yeah, that's all I can do in the voice. Liam. That's it. Liam. Liam. Liam, you there? Liam. Uh, don't ignore me, Liam. Liam! 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 Wait! How has it felt to? How has it felt? How does it feel to work with fellow YouTubers and friends in the production? Well, I'm very. We're always very comfortable to work with friends because you know them. You can talk to them as friends. Um, well, we've working... made a lot of friends and contacts through Time Agent, really. Yeah, I mean, like the. It's difficult to call people that we work with YouTubers because everyone we've worked with probably, but most people that we've worked with, we work with people that we have known and have started off as friends. But there's also a lot of friends we have now that we've met over YouTube. And I wouldn't call them YouTubers anymore. I'd call them friends like John Granston. He's a friend. I don't call him a, a YouTuber. You. Uh, but yeah, I think there's with some people you just get. That's just a connection, really. I mean, you've automatically got an interest. You know you've both got the same interest in something. So you, you do just get on. I mean, like when I first met Alan, back when we started filming Series 2, we met, and, and then within about 15 minutes, we started filming Series 2. That's right, because it, it was me which recommended Alan for the role. And we just and got on. You never met him, did you? And you, you just went straight to your house uh, well, I was like, it was when I turned up and they had filmed the, uh, the opening scenes to... Uh, first, Robin's first scene. Yeah. And the, the bit in the kitchen, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's it's always a fun experience. And plus, with series three and four, we've used casting websites to sort of, like, find new new talent, new actors who want experience. And we sort of, like, helping them as well with experience, again, on set and things like that. Yeah. I mean, e- even you've helped on set. In fact, you've got a part, James, as yeah. well. So, just putting that out you, there. You heard it here first, not like I put it on Twitter or something. <laughs> yeah, wink, wink. <laughs> um, wink, wink. So, it's good that we're now helping other people with careers and things like that, but I forgot what the question was now. <laughs> what was it like to work with YouTubers? And- like, yeah, that's it, yeah. I don't have any friends, that's why. Uh, if you could reboot Time Agent from scrap, what would you, or from scratch, sorry, what would you change? I wouldn't want to reboot in the first place because I've actually got a list of series I want to do and projects I want to work on. Yeah. Um, so in the first place, that would never happen. Um, but yeah, I think I would. I'm actually. If if they lived near me still, I'd use the same cast because they're all they're all grown up now and that was one of the main flaws was that they were so young 
Um, I'd r- write it, obviously. I'd, I'd I think yeah, using the knowledge time. and experience and the technology that's available to us now, it'd be great to keep Series 1 as it is, but just modernise it. As in, yeah. yeah. I mean, we now that we know a great. Back then, we didn't know as much about the, the art. It was only after we finished series one and decided to continue that we thought, actually, let's seriously think about this. Let's plot out a vague story that yeah. we know will happen for the rest of the show until it's over. Um, and we've stayed true to that. And I think if we done series one, if we do series one again, we won't. But if we do series one again, um, we would have we would we'd write it with that that story in mind and it would be a lot more continuity friendly let's put it that way plus a lot of fans which watched series one have like sort of grown up with the show as well it's scary isn't it so it's like when you're a kid because i uh when i was about four or five watched the remake of the tomorrow people on citv and when i was a kid i loved it and then i recently last year bought it on dvd watched it back and thinking, how the hell did I watch this shit? <laughs> when you're a kid, you don't realise that. So, what I'm, what I'm trying to say, <laughs> I don't know what I'm trying to say now, I've lost myself again. Let's move on. <laughs> For God's sake. Are you able to um, release any like tidbits or hints about Series 4? Well, I always get in, into trouble. Yeah, uh, yeah, you you keep your mouth shut, Mr. Carroll. Wait, zip. Mm. There we go. Um, what can we say about Series 4? Mm. A lot of people, like they were with Series 3, are a bit uncertain about how well it's going to go because, um, you know, it's going in a completely different direction. But I think we can confidently say that it's going to... that, uh, that the fans will enjoy it. The people who have stayed with the show all this time will enjoy series. It's also a, a good way for new people to jump on as well. Mm-hmm. We've got a completely new cast, almost. You just need to get rid of Jamie now. Yeah, um, working. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they're really good. They're all brilliant from the footage that I've been editing. So well, yeah. A tidbit. Yeah. What's yeah. a tidbit? Is a tidbit. A, a little spoiler thingy. A little spoiler. Um, we don't find out Agent Mortis's last name. Um... <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, right. Well, <laughs> there's 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 a robot time agent assassin called the Bounty Hunter in the first yeah. episode, and he's what you see at the end of that. Oh yeah, the latest trailer, at the very end. That's the. Does he shoot Mortis? Does Mortis die? Well, let's let's stop there, shall we, Jimmy? Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's that's all we can say. That's all we can say. <laughs> too far, too far, too far. From what I've seen, I mean, getting Richard B. Brooks and James Cook to direct, I think you're getting better and better with every episode. That's true. Yeah. Well, I, I suppose that's the case with most things. <laughs> really. It, it, it with, with, with fan films, you, the only place you can go is up, because I mean, you start out at the bottom anyway. Unless you, unless you're on the top floor and you need to get a lift. Yeah. Are you doing anything special for the 50th anniversary of Doctor Who this year? I'm watching it. <laughs> yeah, we're both watching that. it. We're probably going to watch it. Um, I am releasing a Doctor Who series later in the year called uh, The Tardis Keeper. But that's still... We're filming it, but it's still in fairly early stages. But it will probably be released maybe November time, very late 2013. Because, as I say, we're in early stages. But it's going to be good. And... 
and I'm bogged down with time agent, so yeah, Jamie hasn't got time. <laughs> I'm still filming time agent, so that's why I've started to do a few new vlogs now. So I'll, <laughs> probably, I'll probably do something like that. I don't know. Yeah. I'll think of something. It's not gonna. It doesn't seem at the moment like we're doing too much because all the stuff we're doing is behind the scenes. But no. Uh, but by sort of, by that's hopefully when all our work should become evident and hopefully people will yeah. enjoy what we've done. And I'm replacing yep. what I put down as the final question is a little thing I want to try and do with uh, interviewees whenever I manage to get some. But I mean, you're obviously going to be the test guinea pigs here. Um, uh, we know that Series 7 is coming up and we know that the BBC docudrama on BBC Two by Mark Gates is coming up and the 50th anniversary special in November is coming up. If if like if you two you two can make um, three predictions between uh, each of you makes three predictions about what you think is going to happen in this year's Doctor Who, then obviously at the end of the year when I've um, had loads of interviews for the podcast, I'll total them up and see which of our interviewees has got like the most out of three and stuff like that. Billy, do you want to start? I know what I want to happen. I want Christopher Eccleston back. <laughs> I, want, I want Christopher Eccleston in that special. That's the first thing. I don't know about all the classic doctors. I think it's... it. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, that's my first prediction, that number nine. Not number ten, but number nine. Just number nine. Not, num- not just number nine, but at least number nine will hopefully come back. That's what I want to happen. Um, let's think. Daleks, I'd say probably... Maybe. I don't know. I'm not actually... This is very spontaneous. I'm not actually going on anything here, but it would be nice to see the Daleks again. Um, hmm. What would my third prediction be? Uh, I don't know. Uh, uh, I literally cannot think of a third thing. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> if you've got to think of a serious one, just say one off the cuff. But I can't! I can't think of a... This isn't fair! <laughs> I'm having a breakdown now. Okay, right. So, Christopher Eccleston, Daleks, and uh, Bugger Ice Warriors. Why not? Let's just throw them in the mix. No! Great intelligence. Great intelligence. Yeah. That was, was going to be my answer. London Underground. <laughs> let's, let's go for that. Although, I think that might be Series 7, but yeah, why not? Right. So, Billy's three predictions for this year are Christopher Eccleston's Night Doctor returning, the Daleks returning, and the Great Intelligence in the Underground. Yarp. Jamie? Is this just for the 50th? Yeah, it's just for what, what do you think is going to happen this year in either like the rest of Series 7 or the special, right. or the Christmas special, maybe. I think it'll continue with the story arc of Doctor Who. I think, you know, it's been building up and building up and building up the whole fields of trends. What's it? Trends? Trendsalore. Trendsalore. That's it, On yeah. the fields that of Trendsalore at the fall of the one. 11th. Yes, I think that'll finally get resolved. I think, you know, it, it's the 50th anniversary so that's the big question doctor who but that's been there since since the beginning uh i i've still got a sneaky feeling there's going to be a multi-doctor episode i really do mm-hmm. with all 11 doctors i just I, I just i've just got this feeling i don't know what it is it's, it's everyone's expecting it though yeah. everyone within the fan community except david yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, except David McLaughlin. But I mean, you can you can just expect. Well, I'm I think David's probably expecting it, but he's not sure exactly how well it's going to get pulled off. Yeah. I just think everyone's expecting it to the point where it would be ridiculous if they didn't. Mm. Um. And that's the third one. Yeah, you're right. It's hard, isn't it? Yeah. 
silence. Just I silence think. <laughs> I think the doctor will pay a visit to the old junkyard. That's that's a good one. I reckon yeah. he'll see see. Um, you can't Ian. say that. I've chosen it. <laughs> I reckon he'll see. I reckon he'll see Ian again. Uh, um, I hope so. Please, please get William Russell back for that. Scrap Daleks, Ian. Put I- Ian in there. Actually, yeah. actually, they sort of done that in the latest issue of Doctor Who magazine in the comic. Oh, really? Yeah, they've got um, the Eleventh Doctor passing it. There's this been this like story arc of about this gl- like liquid gold or something like that, and yeah. that, that can go through memories. He's gone into this big sphere and he's just come into a school classroom with Ian and Barbara there. Oh, right, real. So I'm w- waiting to see how that's resolved in this issue uh, that comes out in February. But I mean, those are my three predictions: Christopher Eccleston. Seeing Ian, great intelligence in London Underground, and I think Jamie's is Fields of Trends of Law, so that the whole kind of Doctor Who story arc being concluded, a multi-Doctor story, and returning to the junkyard. Great, yeah. great. That sounds absolutely, absolutely peachy. So uh, that was an entire what is it about forty minutes of talking with the wonderful Billy Tracy and Jamie Carroll. Hope all the all the best goes on to uh, making Time Agent Series Four and. All of your other projects this year, like the TARDIS Keeper and whatnot. Thank you very much. So, uh, yeah, so we'll hope to hear you again soon. Thank you very much. You too, take care. Thank you. You may call yourself a team of warriors, heroes, defenders, but your puny, pathetic world has not experienced the terror that I await for it. My destiny will continue, and our confrontation will occur again. Because it's far from over, Agent Liam. Because it's only just begun. (laughs) It's only just begun. See you around. Right, that was Jamie Carroll. Uh, I think there was a very good uh, discussion there. And uh, obviously we'll be holding out for Series 4 later in the year when production wraps up on it. But uh, as well as fan films of sort of spin-offs with Time Agent, we thought we'd also discuss... Fan films in general, just because of obviously it's a Doctor Who podcast, so we thought we'd try and get back on track a bit to Doctor Who and how fan films have grown over these the last few years from about 2005, sort of between the wilderness years of 1989 to 2005, and then from 2005 onwards with a new generation that of fan films that have developed. And I mean, we can start with. Uh, a relatively recent one, which was Doctor Who 2009, which I think was was it to start did it start out as an American project? Um, I th- I think I think it was because I mean I know some of the the actors were sort of like uh, American, um, but yeah, because they they planned to do like a full 13 episodes, so it was like very yeah. ambitious, uh, and they were all supposed to be like 45 minute to an hour long sort of episodes. Uh, yeah. I mean, you, you we've both seen Fire and Ice, haven't we? And yeah, yeah. <laughs> seeing that in its in its in its entirety, you can see the potential that was in that, and it is a real great shame that they didn't get past the first episode. Because from the look of having Ice Warriors, having the a, good, a great actor for the Doctor, having production values which work th- pr- pretty much through the roof with 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 almost complete perfection of how they were trying to p- portray an actual Doctor Who episode being set in America of all, all places in um, with half of the cast but it, it it it's hard to discuss on how it got to a to a, a begin an opening episode with ice warriors that looked pretty much amazing and that it didn't get any further past 
obviously having a trailer for the second episode, which was going to be a, a link to the Guardians of the Solar System, sort of a pre-Dalek's uh, Master Plan sort of thing. But it it, it didn't. It, it's hard to describe it almost in how it went. Yeah, I mean there was, I mean there was so there was so much sort of like to look forward to. I think they were going to do a sort of a, a Jack the Ripper sort of story, which I always find like quite an interesting topic anyway. But it, it it was a terrible shame that they obviously had invested so much time, money, scripts, and I think I think they were pretty much all set. But I, I think either it was post production sort of delayed them at one stage, and then other problems I think happened, and it was just a shame that it just didn't carry on to its you know its full full extent really. It's, it's the thing with Doctor Who fan films, and probably maybe fan films of a lot of different things, is that we have. Obviously, with other commit compared to the TV to the TV show, their whole goal is to produce this show with, with obviously the main actor, the companion, or the supporting cast, the crew, the locations, and everything. Their their whole job is to get that out. Compared to fan films, where the you, the whole thing about doing a fan film is more of a is more of an extra more of a hobby than an actual career so it's it, that it's that difficulty with fan films that seems to happen on all various productions i mean the the trinity productions way that had tony coburn thomas reese k and sebastian bird they all did their s- separate doctor who series and so did jamie carroll at one point when he had his 11th regeneration series and the thing with these is that life and work do get in the way a lot and it it, it it seems that that hindrance does cut a lot of productions short which could have been of the highest standard that time agent is at the minute and it just it, it, it's a shame with how our society works at, at the mm. minute i mean it's as, as you say you know, it, it was um with with the way as it's certainly because um sort of like fan films uh with the exception you know uh, of a few uh it it was uh, very much a sort of like teenager uh sort of thing for for a while um and they would all go mm-hmm. off uh, making series but you know, it's the crucial sort of like time of your life where you know you you, yeah. you got the likes of your education you know partners houses and all that sort of stuff so it's amazing how uh, they had as much time you know as they did i mean uh, tony and tom and sebastian had a a bit of an advantage that they all lived in the same sort of place and obviously they would spend most of their weekends together doing this sort of stuff but not everyone has that um luxury i mean there are some fan films that are made from people Mm. literally all over the country and trying to get them together for Mm. one day is hard enough yeah, yeah. It's that, it's, that, it's that thing that both having a network of friends to help you, it's also, it's with the network, it's usually inside the network, some of those people are going to be from a far distance, and the only reason they're a part of the network is obviously because of the luxury of the internet, being able to connect them so quickly and easily. Oh, yeah. I mean, the internet's been incredibly useful for fan films i mean there was there back in ye olden days um when you had the doctor who appreciation society they would often do uh sort of uh, videos and things um but they were again fans from everywhere else but because they were all part of the same you know sort of society they got together and and did some of this 
uh, stuff in in their spare time. Um, and it's, I mean, it, it's, it's it's always like people had to communicate by phone back then if you wanted to do something, which isn't a bad thing. But the internet no. uh, opens you up to so much more because you have access to the mm. world then, not just necessarily the UK. And if you're willing to pay the money, you know, <laughs> abroad calls. There's there's an interest. As just to close this all off, there is an interesting case with the with Christopher Thompson and how he created this episode called The Final Adventure, which was obviously a bit of a Dalek Davros story with his own Doctor. And then that ended on a bit of a cliffhanger, which he then wanted to conclude in. Uh, an episode called The Ultimate Conflict, which is still in in the stages of editing. It's got it's been all filmed, but with the network that had been created through the internet and whatever, he'd obviously had loads of parts put into the script for this Ultimate Conflict, and even the characters of Agent Liam and Agent Mortis from Time Agent had been incorporated into it, and uh, John Granston had been in it, um, Alex Matthews, um, uh, who else? Um, Hannah Wollaston, Ed, um, I, 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 I'm trying to remember names. Um, la, 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 la. I can't think of any. I'll just I'll cut that up. Um, and even Tony Coburn as Davros in it. And I mean, something on that big scale obviously did did wear him down because he had to hand over all of the editing to a personal friend who wanted to try and edit it in his own free time. And it's it, we're trying to do something like that. It's a great endeavour to try and think about in theory, but as with many fan films, the theory is almost better than the concept that comes out, the resulting fan film. But the the, the, hmm. the tribulations that you go through sometimes either make you or break you, I think. Well, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, it's sort of like funny, really. When when I started seeing all these um, fan films uh, going up and whatnot, part of me always wanted... Um, to do fan films as well. I mean, I, I never really had the equipment, nor you know, I, I probably wouldn't have been any good at sort of like getting writing together or not. But and, and t- until obviously you try, you, you don't know. But I, mm. I do remember on many occasions I would always have something in my head that sounded like it might be a good idea. I mean, I went through one phase where I thought, well, if I could get Colin Baker and do him in the Valiards outfit, you know, <laughs> and I, it was like just one one simple idea. Uh, and you can obviously get access to people like um, Colin Baker if, uh, you know, go through agents and, and whatnot, and if they don't mind doing it. But it was at the time, it was just literally, I, I seem to vaguely remember it was Colin Baker, Valiard's outfit in a cave somewhere, and that's <laughs> that's about all I can remember. <laughs> but it, it was, it was going to be something a bit more interesting than that. But um, yeah. I mean, out of curiosity, I mean, have you ever sort of like fan films and stuff like that? For, have you ever been interested? Well... I mean, I've been one of those people that obviously just tries it. It, it, it. When you're at that age, you think, I'm going to try and do something, but all of it's inside of your house or your back garden or something like that. And you, 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 you're basically just experimenting with with stuff, and then you think, oh, I'm going to release this, and it's a crappy little like five-minute thing of you just walking around in a doctor, in, a, in an, either a cosplay or an improvised doctor's costume just doing random crap that doesn't really make any sense and obviously i was a bit of a sucker for doing that but i mean i'd like to try and do something like that in the future when i can obviously collect my life a bit more together like getting a job and something like that but when but when obviously you make these connections with other fans like that that are in this sort of 
in the industry, not in the industry, but in the profession, like Jamie Carroll is doing with Time Agent, then if you can get those friendships and those networks to to work in your favour, then I mean, I'd obviously love to try and do that at some point. Mm. Well, that's that's fair enough. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that was our discussion about Doctor Who and spin-off fan films. Nearly every conspiracy that you've read is true in some shape or form, and instead of reading about them. You'll be a part of them. What you say? Next week on the 49UP podcast, we'll be doing our review of a second Doctor DVD release for Patrick Charlton. We're going to do the Mind Robber as a bit of a detour, as a bit of a detour from the norm. So we hope you all tune in for us to ramble on about that particular story. We'll also tune in on Thursday for a very special edition of Podcast Extra, which is going to be a bit of a recurring uh, Podcast Extra at the end of every month for the for the remainder of the year. Uh, so for me, James, this is goodbye. And me, Ian, this is goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye. Tell you what I bought: reggae, reggae, chocolate. Oh, it's still not. <laughs> <laughs> Is that? Are you gone? Are you gone? I didn't realise. Right, I'll uh, <laughs> click off. There it is. All right, mate. I'll I'll speak to you really soon. Take care. Okay, you too. So that was our fan film discussion of Doctor Who fan films. Now I'm going to say that again because that just sounded like complete bollocks. <laughs> And that was our in-depth... No, that's not in-depth. Let me start that again. By the way, De- De- Derek's on at 10, not 9. Oh, thank God for that. I know. <sighs>